You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This Friday edition, wrapping up the week. We started it off with a mailbag. We'll wrap it up with the same thing. Why not? We've had some great shows this week. Uh, my interview with Udonis Haslam, I think, uh, really shed some light. Officially now a part of the Miami Heat after signing a, another one-year deal to rejoin the team. But also that two-part episode with Alex Toledo of Five Reasons Sports, breaking down each player and comparing last year's roster to this year's roster and kind of trying to figure out some scale to see if Miami's actually improved. I I really enjoyed those conversations because without actually seeing how the finished product plays on the floor, all we can really do is just evaluate. Why not? I mean, it's the offseason. You all evaluate free agents. We evaluate draft prospects and everything else. Nobody knows exactly how it'll pan out. So why not try and evaluate how much more improved the roster will be? And we came to the conclusion that it will be, in fact, somewhat better just because the players on the floor will be better. Kyle Lowry in particular brings a dimension that this Heat team was missing last year. Not a knock on Goran Dragic, but he is a limited player and what he can do, just not the kind of defender that Kyle is expected to be during his three-year stint with Miami, which I expect to be a good one. But in any case, back to the questions at hand. I've got some good ones here. It's a rainy Thursday afternoon as I'm recording this. Uh, the Heat are fresh off their summer league victory with Max Struess. Knocking down the game-winning shot. Exciting time there. I wonder how much opportunity Max will get down the road because it looks like he's made some improvements and the summer league opportunity. And, you know, he was uh, talking to media members post game, and he just kept reiterating how much the summer league opportunity has meant to him that he's gotten a chance to take shots that he wouldn't normally take with Miami Heat in a game-winning situation. What's the likelihood that Max Strees is going to be counted on? during the next season for Miami. Not not a great one. But he's also established himself as more of a leadership role, too, something that I think is impressive. We've seen him talk to the younger guys, kind of rally around them and, and get them to, you know, just be better. And maybe this happens on a smaller scale. We just don't hear about it. But he seems like he's taking some ownership. And why not? He's older. He's had a little NBA experience. That speaks volumes. These, the rest of these guys are 22 years old, fresh out of college. They've never played in the L. They don't know what that's like. I think it makes a huge difference to have whatever limited experience Max might have. It's enough to give him a more powerful voice there. And I think he's developed it and he's going to continue to do so. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table next season with Miami. But on to our questions. This first one comes on from Big Pat. He writes, given that Miami Heat's biggest need is backup point guard at this point, and that they have missed on other free agents such as Dennis Schroeder, should Miami take a look at Isaiah Thomas? Now, this is interesting for a couple of things. One, I was actually looking at the Boston Celtics roster. They're pretty deep. Schroeder's addition, not great for Miami. I, look, again, we don't know how it's going to pan out, but they've gotten rid of a lot of their fringe players. I have to say, for all the knocks on Brad Stevens, the head coach, Brad Stevens, the front office guy, looks like he's made some substantial improvements there. Bringing in Al Horford, adding Josh Richardson, etc. There's a lot of positive movements to be taken out of it, and I think they're, they're an improved roster. I, I, that I don't, I don't doubt. And um, I just don't know how much better they'll be. 
I don't know whether or not that translates. There's always been something missing with Boston, and I don't know if Schroeder on a one-year prove-a-deal might, you know, he might uh, overturn the apple cart, as they say. He might be looking for his shot first and foremost. But again, go listen to John Corrales over at Locked on Celtics. As far as Isaiah Thomas, a former Celtics player, and his addition, he's in the news a lot lately because he scored 81 points in a pro-am game. Very impressive feat wherever you're playing. I know it's somewhat subpar competition. It's certainly not the NBA. But it gave Isaiah an opportunity to prove that he is still able to be an NBA-level scorer. Why not? Should he be added to the Miami Heat roster? Well, there's two parts to this equation. There's the actual process of adding a player. Right now, Miami, with the addition of Udonis Haslam, almost at their cap in terms of what players they could add. They are just below the luxury tax line for the salary cap. And if that's the case, then Mickey Harrison's going to have to pay it. Of all the possible free agents that you could add that Mickey might be willing to pay the, the tax for, is Isaiah Thomas the right choice? I tend not to think so. Look, there's other options. There's Wes Matthews. There's Paul Millsap. If Mickey's willing to pay, and honestly, I could care less whether he pays it or not. If he's willing to pay the luxury tax, then that's great. And I, I think Wes is probably the best option, a three-point shooter who can have some championship experience. Well, I mean, not a title, but he's been there. He's been, well, actually, was no, no, he's, he does not have championship experience, but he's been a high-level competitor, a guy that can't get into it with Jimmy Butler. You know, I think a, a team of dogs like this roster is currently stacked up to be could probably use a guy like Matthews. There's also J.J. Redick, a shooter, you know, somewhat old or whatever. There's also Paul Millsap. There's guys, there's, there's players out there that we're all familiar with that we've all heard of. It's a sad time of year also when you see older players kind of just – Stop getting phone calls. That's a whole other aside there. But as far as Isaiah is concerned, I don't see his fit on this roster. Like at five foot seven, and as a very diminutive player and not a good defender, never, even when he was at his healthiest, I can't see him being supremely impactful. Like, do you what? What's the what's the need here for a backup point guard? Is it a playmaker? Is it a scorer? Is it a guy who can create offense? Look, you've got your primary ball handler in Kyle Lowry. He's going to be initiating offense. But your secondary ball handlers are Jimmy, Bam, Tyler, to some degree. I mean, that there are there is concern there. I, I can see what Pat's concerns are, and I agree that you need somebody else to handle the ball, bring the ball up, initiate the offense, settle things down. I don't know if Isaiah is the right guy for it. I don't know that there's other options out there. Maybe one of the two-way guys might fit if there is a two-way contract being offered at this point in time, there isn't. It's just uh, whether or not they offer it to one of the guys currently on the Summer League roster. So I don't think that Isaiah is the best option, but you know what? I'm all for it. I got to be honest with you. I I'm at a point now, and I think you've probably heard this enough from me over the years on talking in this show, even going back to the potential acquisition of Russell Westbrook several years ago, just even from a media perspective, you want guys like this on this roster. You want interesting personalities, players that will develop and will bring news and bring some kind of notoriety to your team and things of that sort, because that makes it much more interesting to cover. But even just from a watching basketball perspective, Isaiah can score the ball. IT can really shoot. He's just a guy who can really put up the points. And I, I think that's fun to watch. I don't know. You know, he's probably giving up just as many, if not more, than he actually scores. But why not have him out there? Like the, the 15th man in this roster isn't going to be a major contributor. Even the backup point guard spot, I just think that there are too many other guys 
going to be asked to bring the ball up and or just initiate offense. You're going to be seeing a lot of what we saw last year with Tyler Hero bringing the ball up or initiating offense and, and you know, Duncan doing his share. Maybe you'll see more from Max Struess, potentially. I don't know. There are options there. I don't think any of these are ideal. I think you'd probably rather have a solid actual point guard, a, a you know floor general of sorts. I just don't think there's any available out there, and I just don't think that any is likely to join his team anytime soon. So thank you, in, uh, thank you, Pat, for sending that question. It's an interesting one. I'm not sure how it'll play out, but we'll just have to wait and see. My guess is right now, not going to add another veteran presence to this roster, but things can always change. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll see some surprises down the road. It'll be interesting nonetheless. I'll answer some questions about how this Heat team stacks up with the Milwaukee Bucks in the next segment. But first, I want to tell you about a new product that we're talking about over here at Locked On. It's called Sweat Block. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm not sure if you recall an episode of Rachel Ray's talk show. I'm not necessarily a Rachel Ray fan, but otherwise I do know about this product because some firefighters were brought on to Rachel Ray's show to test a product that helps you sweat less. It actually prevents you from sweating. The firefighters put these things through their paces. They went, did everything that they normally do uh, along the lines of their normal job. And it was a successful result for the one firefighter who tested sweat block. And that's, a big product a big problem for some people nobody likes talking about it it's embarrassing i get it you know nobody likes sweating overtly and here in south florida with the humidity set to a thousand all the time it's almost impossible not to so you want to try and avoid instances where you've got a shirt on or blouse and maybe you start to show a little perspiration and you know look it can lead to staining your shirts I understand it could be an uncomfortable situation. Maybe you don't like addressing it. Maybe you don't like thinking about it. You've tried all the different antiperspirants and all the deodorants out there, and they, none of them work. But then what you should do is try Sweatblock because it is a product that actually works. And right now, if you go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get Sweatblock today for 20% off. You can also find it at Amazon or at CVS, or you can go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code Locked On. Just a reminder, if you're looking to place a wager, then bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all of the action over at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, WNBA, and so much more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game, so head over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON. Moving on with our mailbag, Sir Swish sends in the following question. Do you think the Heat would match up well with the Milwaukee Bucks in a playoff series? Personally, I think that rebounding is still an issue and could become a real problem against certain teams. Look, I, I understand your point completely. I am curious to see how this team matches up. I think if you look at what Bryn Forbes or what uh, Drew Holiday were able to do against Miami, Certainly, the addition of a Kyle Lowry, perhaps with a Marcus Garrett as a two-way player, could potentially make a significant difference as far as having a defensive presence to lock those guys down and impact their ability to get shots off. Dante DiVincenzo will return from injury, presumably to join 
the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost Brent Forbes in free agency, but I'm sure they'll find a way to reproduce what his scoring was able to give them in a playoff series. So I, I, I get it. Who knows how teams respond, right? I, I think I am kind of unsure of how the Milwaukee Bucks will bounce back next year after they just won the title. I always remember that the Toronto Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard, and my thinking was, look, they're now they're they've accomplished everything they needed to. They've proven everybody raw. They beat the you know, the Goliath of the Golden State Warriors, you know, with some injury help, of course. But they were able to accomplish everything that uh, they wanted over in Toronto to reestablish themselves as a winning franchise, perhaps even establish themselves as such. In any case, they bounced back the following year and had a great season. A very, very, very good productive season, despite the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, had discounted them and didn't think that they were going to be able to accomplish anything. But now Milwaukee, with saying chip on their shoulder, perhaps, maybe they'll look to, you know, add to, I mean, maybe they can make a, a midseason trade. Who knows? I don't know exactly how it'll play out. I don't know how Giannis, maybe Giannis got a taste for it. Now he wants to have another championship, you know, to add to his resume, his impressive Hall of Fame resume. As far as how Miami adds up or stacks up against him, you know, Tucker certainly helps. I think having a guy like PJ to understand exactly what Milwaukee's capable of doing would certainly help. They brought Bobby Portis back there in a short-term deal. Uh, Miami is still a, a little small up front, obviously, with Bam uh, and, and you know, with Jimmy and Duncan and, and guys that are not active rebounders. Miami did not rank particularly highly on the rebounding issue there. So to Sir Swish's point, Miami certainly would probably lose the rebounding battle to Milwaukee. But my my feeling is, and if you've listened to the show for some time, you probably are aware of it. I, I also think that rebounding is important, and it's also valued as a counting stat that doesn't necessarily have the same kind of dramatic impact people think it does. Yeah, you know, maybe you could say it, it, you outscore the or the, the rebounding edge goes to a certain team, and maybe there's a, a percentage of teams or a winning percentage attached to leading in rebounds or something along those lines. I honestly don't know. But the reality is also that you look at what happened this past season. You know, one of the worst teams in the NBA in terms of rebounding, the Phoenix Suns. They were actually a, a pretty bad team in terms of rebounding, and they did all right for themselves. I think they turned into a, a very decent team that was able to contend for a title. So, you know, it's not always about rebounding so much as it is about hitting shots and I think that's the part that everybody kind of overlooks is like you know you're, you're getting a lot of rebounds why because you're you know hitting a lot of shots or not hitting a lot of shots excuse me and, and I think that's what we kind of tend to overlook the Phoenix Suns were the 23rd ranked team in terms of rebounding at 42.9 just above Miami at 29th with 41.5 look look the Sacramento Kings were a pretty bad team with only 41.4 just below the Miami Heat, the Houston Rockets, another bad team just above them. It, it It's, I get it. It's not a good look, but I think you also have to look at the fact that, you know, Phoenix, for their part, was able to convert 49% of their shots. So it wasn't about rebounding. The total rebounding doesn't matter. It's about the timing of when these rebounds occur and also hitting your shots on a consistent basis. Miami's offense went through so many different iterations because of players out due to injury or COVID, you know, trying uh, Tyler Hero at the starting lineup, getting Goran in there, losing Jimmy for a significant amount of time. It's really difficult. I imagine Miami would probably be the last ranked team in the NBA, if not for the addition of Dwayne Dedman. And I think a season of Dwayne as your backup you know, over Kelly Olenek, over Nemanja Bjelica, over Precious Achua, or anybody else will certainly help. He has to understand what his job is to be out there. I don't know how much that's going to sway 
in a series against the Milwaukee Bucks, but it's an interesting conversation. I, I think, look, Milwaukee probably still looks like the better team than Miami on paper, but a lot of that can change over the course of the season. Miami can make a few moves themselves, and in a playoff series, who knows? You know, maybe Milwaukee is down a player that could really change the series. Maybe Miami, you know, has a taste of vengeance on their own. I, I, I kind of tend to ascribe a lot more towards the narrative side of things when it comes to my appreciation of the basketball or my reporting of it. The stats show a lot, but you also have to tell a story here. And look, the two of them are complementary of one another. Saying that you like statistics or that you like the analytics, you know, which is a, a catch-all term that I don't feel is used as appropriately as it should be, or whether or not the narrative term. Again, that's another thing. What is it? About? What is a narrative? It's a story. I like the stories. I like the fact that Miami could be on a collision course with the Milwaukee Bucks for a third straight season. Who plays it better? Who who handles the pressure better? To me, I, I would say that, you know, Milwaukee might have the edge right now, but I think Miami has something to prove, that they weren't bubble frauds, that they, you know, they're pissed off about getting swept out this past season. To me, I, I think I give them a slight edge, and I think you know, for all the the look at the rebounding or the roster changes or anything else, the reality is Miami just has to go in there and be pissed off, be better, find a way to beat Milwaukee, and I think they're capable of it. To be honest with you, so how they match up that could change from a you know a month to month basis in this league, but for now, I would say Miami has a slight psychological edge, and that they want to prove that they can be and that they were better than Milwaukee during the Orlando bubble and that they can be better than them this upcoming season too. So I think that answers the question, but we'll see whether or not it all plays out that way. Uh, I've got some other questions here that I'll address in the next segment, but you're listening to Locked on Heat. If you're looking for a special treat, but one that doesn't make you feel guilty for indulging in, then let me remind you that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar. It's 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they come in so many delicious flavors. Coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, so many great ones. You can get a mixed box where you get each of your favorites there. Mix and match and give away some that you don't particularly care for. If you just want to share the joy of a Built Bar, it's a great opportunity, a great gift to give to coworkers, friends, family. Uh, and right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off, but only at BuiltBar.com. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Continuing my mailbag edition here to wrap up the week. It's been a great week of episodes. Hopefully you've checked them all out. If not, please go and do so. And as always... Please leave a review. I appreciate getting that kind of feedback. You can always reach me via email or DM me on Twitter, but you can also leave a review on iTunes. I do check those from time to time. It also helps people find this show if you leave more reviews. So leave a five-star review if you like, and uh, maybe add a couple of nice words there. You know, something about my my dulcet tones or whether or not you appreciate my content and my level-headed approach to covering basketball. Those are all good topics. Why not? Mike Cantwell writes in via Twitter. Not a great subject, 
but if you get bored, I've wondered who's going to take over for Pat Riley. Is Spo going to move into the front office and we bring back a coach like Dan Craig, or would ownership go in a completely different direction? I have talked about this before, Mike, so thank you so much for sending the question in. I guess you are a fairly new listener to the show, and I appreciate it. It's not easy to predict exactly what will happen here because, you know, we start to hear some rumblings from the Portland Trailblazers that they were interested in bringing back a guy like Spo, who was from the Portland area, who grew up around there, whose father was a part of their front office uh, back in the 80s and 90s, I want to say. Uh, I might be mistaken about those dates, but either way, there's no mistaking the link between Spo and the Portland Trailblazers, uh, but that did not pan out. In fact, Spo was uh, now a member of the Miami Heat. He's going to continue to do so for the next few years. I don't know what Pat Riley's endgame is here. You know, he's always talked about, "Well, I want to rebuild one more contender. I want to, you know, get those guys back." And look, he's still—I don't know how much he actually has to do with the acquisition of players. You know, everybody talks about it. even the, the guys that just joined the team. Oh, we talked to Pat. Oh, you know, Pat and I talked and we did this. So he's still he's still the guy. He's still the voice in that front office who says, oh, what do you want? You know, he's trying to figure out what you want and how to make it happen. And I think he's just a, a calm, steadying presence. And it's like Udonis Haslam to some degree. He can stay there for as long as he wants to. So as far as who takes over for him, would Spo be interested? Yeah, I think he would. I think he would. I, I, You know, it's hard to exactly predict what Spo's way of thinking is about this. And I've made that point before regarding Eric Spolster that, look, he's got kids. They're young. Uh, he's at a point nine now where he's going away from his family so regularly, so frequently. And it's just it's not a great place to be in as a parent. That's something I can speak of from experience. I think a lot of listening parents probably feel the same way, that they don't want to be you know, taken away from their kids. And, and having to travel as much as any NBA head coach does is not exactly the best thing to do in terms of you know connecting with your kids and being there with them as often as you'd like to. In any case, you know, for a guy like Spo, maybe he can say like Brad Stevens did and just say, you know what, I'm tired of coaching. I've accomplished everything. And, and in, in the case of Spo, in Spo's case, he's actually won titles. He's been to five NBA you know, finals. He, he's accomplished everything that he could possibly want. He still loves mentoring the young guys, getting out there, sweating on the floor. The differentiation between him and Udonis Haslam, and, and you know, ironically enough, something that's been talked about a lot this week, is that he can still be somewhat removed but still connected and still show these guys what it takes to get to that next level. I think all the players that go through Miami system, maybe with the exception of a jackass like Mo Harkless, really appreciate what Eric Spolstra and this front office has been able to do. But as far as who takes over, I mean, is he the right guy for the, the approach? Yes, I think he is. I think he's another guy that understands the motivations of people, how to connect with guys like this, how to tell the stories. And you're, you're looking at a guy now in Eric Spolstra who's coached Every type of player, from guys on the fringes of the NBA to older veterans to guys that are still trying to prove themselves, he's connected with all of them to some degree. Uh, look, speak all you want to about the issues from 2016-17 with you know Dion and uh, uh, you know James Johnson and everybody else, but Spo got the best out of him. And what's to say that he couldn't take that same approach to sitting in a meeting and saying, "Look, you want to come to Miami? This is the place for you to win." I learned from Pat Riley, the very best at doing this, and now I want to give that opportunity to you to, to play for blank as your head coach. Now, that's the bigger issue. I think 
if Spo were to go directly to the front office at some point in time, who takes over as coach would be a little bit more difficult. I don't know who the option is in terms of filling that gap. That seems a little bit more sizable. You'd think they'd probably go somewhat internally, you know, given that Pat Riley left over some more qualified assistants to go to, you know, Eric Spolstra, somebody who he believed in in terms of work ethic and everything else like that. I don't know who on the current staff. I don't think it's Malik Allen. I don't think it's Karan Butler. I, I don't know if it's Quinny either. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if they're, I don't know if the right coach candidate is on the roster right now. You could go to Jawan Howard. You could say, look, Jawan, you've done a phenomenal job with the University of Michigan. We think you're ready to go here at this level. Why don't you come back to the fold and take over as coach? I could see that as a possibility. Is David Fisdale the right guy? Maybe. It would be hard to kind of say, you know, for, for Spo, you know, whether or not he can kind of separate himself and just let Fisdale make his mistakes. And it would be a challenge, no doubt. And I think it's something that Spo and Pat went through earlier on in their career. Like Riley, certainly a guy who is hands-on for him to be able to separate himself and say, you know what, this is your team. You coach it the way you want to. And I can only give you input. I can only give you my advice. My door is always open for you. But at some point, you're going to have to take over and, and, and you know do things in your own way. And I think Spo has certainly done that. And I don't know which of his current assistants or former assistants or potential candidates. Maybe it's Dan Craig. Maybe it's Juwan. Maybe it's Fizz. Who knows? There's lots of different options out there, and yet there are none, to quote Pat Riley. It's a it's a good conversation. Look, I, I know, Mike, that you know you kind of preface it by saying it's not a good topic, but I think it actually is. It's interesting to kind of look ahead and see what happens down the road. For now, I would predict that Pat's not going anywhere. I think he really enjoys this process. And look, there are other candidates already in the front office as well. Andy Ellisberg has done a great job. Does he want to be the face of the franchise? Maybe not. Andy Simon has done a fantastic job as well. There are people in that front office who have been here for as long as Pat Riley has or pretty close to it. And I think that kind of stability has really trickled down throughout the organization, as I've said before. So we'll see, you know, what what happens down the road when Pat finally says after they win their fourth title, whether or not they say, you know what, I'm ready to move on. I did it. I rebuilt my contender. Now I leave this in better hands or different hands, and we'll see what happens during the next era of Heat basketball. Who takes over as the godfather? What a great question. Just a reminder, yet again, that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter. You can always use the hashtag AskHelloHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and, again, leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show, but thanks most of all to you. This is David Ramil signing off for now.